0: Oh, hey there. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, I'm Jesse. This is after the gig and it is Tuesday, the 25th, 8.15 a.m. right now. Not sure why I recently found it important to mark the time because it's just going to show you how how long it takes me to record this and then actually Upload it. So I don't think I'm going to do that anymore after this time. So on the episode today, I have Miss Haley Steele. Haley Steele is a country artist. She has some really great in pop artists. I'm not going to put her in that put her in that box, but um, she has some new music coming out. At the end of this episode, we're going to play a new single that she has out called "All I Wanted." and it was co-produced by Brian Dolly, who was on a episode of this podcast. Really, really great friend as well. Uh, Haley, I met her when she was uh, doing some opening gigs with Stephen Kellogg um, back in the day. But before you get to the episode, I want to tell you about a couple things. So Carbon Leaf has gigs this weekend. That's very exciting. Manchester by the Sea in Massachusetts. Uh, we are doing uh, the Tupelo music hall drive-in show that's on Sunday. So, Saturday and Sunday this weekend, I hope uh, those of you that are in the New England area will show your beautiful faces. Um, very excited to play. Just, I mean, you can tell by listening to this podcast how, how much we need it. We need this. We need these shows um, just to play, you know, just to do it. Also, tomorrow night, I will be live-streaming In this episode, we talk a little bit about how, um, how Haley Steele is sick of the live streaming, (laughs) but I'm not yet. I haven't gotten there yet. I have too much to improve on to, uh, to stop and call it quits. But tomorrow night is the over the hump live stream and it's over the hump now because it's after it's at night. So once you get through the work day on Wednesday, you're over the hump. But it also used to be on Thursday, so, and I didn't want to change the name. That's that, guys. I, as you can tell, I got nothing for you this morning. Um, this is my conversation with the lovely Haley Steele.
1: I quit my job and I got kind of high. I took my money to the sipping hole and drank it dry.
2: A lot has changed yep. how are you
0: I'm good same a lot has changed a lot of
2: yeah you have a baby I have a baby
0: now uh you know not really working <laughs> and uh yeah you know just trying to keep this going It took me so long to to actually um come to grips with having to do zoom podcasts because I just was like you know what I really want to keep doing this and I can't just let the fact that I want to do them in person, hinder, hinder the, you know, being able to do it. So I'm just like, okay, I'll just, I'll just do it this way. And, and the sound has been, my biggest concern was the sound and then being able to like see you or see people. And, uh, it's worked out. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. And I've been able to talk to people that I wasn't even going to be able to Get into the same room with before, so this is great.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you're kind of benefiting from this a little bit, a little bit in, in a weird in, way, in
0: in other ways. Yeah, there's there's yeah. pros and cons to the whole thing. So,
2: oh yeah, well, I feel the same way about the whole Zoom thing. Like, um, I've been spending a lot of time in South Dakota, and for like the last year and a half, two years, and I never wanted to do video rights mm-hmm. because. There's something you just like. You you can't touch the vibes. You can't feel the everything that you feel like in a in a room Mm -hmm. with other writers. And then when quarantine started happening everywhere, everyone, even everyone in Nashville, started doing Zoom write. So I kind of feel the same way. Like I've written some really good songs with people that I wouldn't have even been able to write with otherwise. So like I've actually I feel like I've gotten more work done during this then i've been like really productive creatively what's
0: something what what would make it different as far as like the creative process you know cuz if you're not in the same room with someone while writing a song oh. i guess i guess you can kind of be have your own thoughts to yourself like in your own yeah. space you know what i mean by that
2: yeah i do and like i write by myself a lot i've always been that way but when I co-write, I really, really feed off of the other melodies that I'm hearing. So like if someone in there is a really good guitar player, an instrumentalist, and they're playing things that I can't play with my hands, but I can hear them, it helps me write differently and it helps me write better. And then the other thing that drives me absolutely crazy is you can never sing harmony with anyone. You can't really like sing in time or like if if you're writing to a track, you can't like if the person is playing the track in Nashville I can't like sing along with it without there being a delay. Right. So those are probably the most frustrating things and I don't know, I'm just very like I get really excited when I'm writing with people and I you feed off of others other people's vibes and emotions. So for the most part part you of can me still fix this do, camera. <laughs> do that but oh you're fine. But um like sometimes I just like want to like give someone a high five or like
0: yeah you want to get excited and be in the room and like feed off that feed off that energy now I get that yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah but other than that I mean I kind of like doubted it when I first started doing it like how good the songs were going to be and stuff but like I've got now I've got a song on hold that I wrote in May during during this I've got like I mean yeah, it's just been. It's. Been what do you mean, a song on hold? Surprising for me. Mean? There's an. It means that there's an artist holding the song oh. for a future record that they're gonna gotcha. make. So, I mean, back in the days of you know eight tracks and cassettes and whatever, if they were holding a song, they would be holding like the only physical copy of the song so that no one oh. else could have it. So it's kind of a just like a metaphor now, but it's still cool to say yeah,
0: song on hold. Do you know? Yeah, can, I got a song can on hold. you say who it is, or you can't?
2: Hell no! All right, that's the cool part. Right. You have to be like, I'm. I'm not gonna say, I have this information that I know and no one else knows.
0: That's true because then, e- either way, <laughs> even if you could, you, you know, holding holding the information and until it either happens, <laughs> oh, so yeah, you don't get disappointed. Yeah. and tell people this is what might happen.
2: Yeah, that's the main reason, honestly, because like you could have sometimes artists will put like a hundred songs on hold and they'll keep them for like two years yeah. and then they record 10 songs and then you made the mistake of telling everyone, you know what I mean? The last
0: thing you want is to have people be like, Oh, so what happened with that song? (laughs) And you're
1: like, yeah,
2: that's amateur. (laughs) I know. That's like the shit I did when I was like 20 and I got excited. Yeah. I'm sure the songs were shitty, but yeah. Um, I did
1: that
0: same thing when I almost moved to New York (laughs) in 2012, I was like, I think I'm going to move to New York. And I, I was playing on, um, this off Broadway musical that that was you know starting to gain a little bit of traction and and I was getting excited and I told people about it and then I was on um I was on this like a scene in this tv show so there was all this like kind of hype that I was creating around myself moving to New York and then everything fell apart <laughs> and I was like don't uh, tell and next and hey. like, don't tell anyone anything's ever happening ever <laughs> again <laughs> no
2: like silent moves and then if you explode then yeah,
0: that's then all good. That's what and happens. That's what yeah,
2: yeah. I've learned that lesson like a million, million bajillion times in Nashville, and you know, yeah, yeah.
0: That's. What you've been doing in uh, South Dakota?
2: Well, um, a couple. Well, actually, yeah, like three years ago, I actually started dating this wonderful guy. Is this hot from is this home, hot Tim? Yes, hot Tim. <laughs> he has oh this whole God. online
0: persona yeah. that you've created.
2: Yeah, I created it for him. I created a monster because okay, so he um he is a he sells liquor for this big company. Okay. God, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. So, um and he doesn't have he's not big on social media. Like he does Facebook and I think he like looks at TikTok sometimes, but for a while I had created him his own Instagram because all my friends in Nashville thought it was funny. And I can't remember who started calling him Hot Tim first, but I just ran it with it and you? it was awesome. No, someone else. Someone else started so it. I've heard. I've and, heard
0: you mention Hot Tim even like before. Before any. Oh
2: of that. yeah. Oh yeah. Like I. I think one of my guy friends might have even started really? it. Really. Like, nice. Yeah, but anyway, it started becoming a thing, and right when we got together, like I was. I mean, I'm still super excited, but I was really, really excited about him, and he's just so dang cute. <laughs> so I just like started posting pictures, and he couldn't see them, but he has all these little friends. At all of these accounts, liquor, you know, like bars and liquor stores and whatnot that he goes to that also call him Hot Tim because they follow me on social That's media. Awesome. And then literally everywhere we go in the country where I go to play a show, someone that has come to see me or whatever will bring up Hot Tim. Like he I do this um this show in Las Vegas called Nashville Unplugged. Um, and I'm really good friends with the guys that do it regularly. And Tim came with me, like it was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And from the stage, I shit you not, Aaron Benward starts talking about Hot Tim, and Hot Tim does not like attention. Like, it's like a it's like a really big waste of like a hot person because <laughs> I think he should like I think he should like be like modeling or something. I don't know. And he's so shy; he doesn't want any attention. He's absolutely gonna hate this.
0: Anyway, that's not on social media. I can't, I can imagine it's just not. Yeah. No he's just like, or, you know.
2: Yeah. So he's like sitting there at the show where like in the um, man bottom of Mandalay Bay, we're sitting there. There's probably like a hundred people sitting out there and Tim's like in this like table kind of like front and center um because he's there to like watch me. And Aaron just says, hot Tim, blah, blah, blah. And Tim just like starts like crumpling into a ball. And I can just hear him like, oh my God, woman, like I
0: wonder if his sales, I'm going to kill you. I wonder if his, what? I wonder if his uh, liquor sales have gone up.
2: Um, I think, yeah, I think I actually have improved his liquor sales by branding him. Yeah. I think. Cause he so comes in, you're not going to buy me.
0: something from hot Tim.
2: No, no. I actually, I mean, he's really good at his job, but I think the fact that he is so charming and handsome, I think it helps a little How'd bit. how do you guys
0: meet if he's in South Dakota?
2: Well, we met at a bar. Of course. (laughs) I was, so I was home visiting. Yeah, it was three. No, I actually met him. I met him in like 2013, I think. And I was home visiting. I was playing a show. um, And I met him then. And the bar owner was trying to set us up undercover, I guess. (laughs) And I had like absolutely no game. Yeah, this is like seven. Yeah, probably seven years ago. And for some God knows why reason, the bartender had given me a martini glass full of fireball. So like to a liquor, a liquor representative, that is not legit. That's not a legitimate thing to do at all. So I'm sitting there trying to think of stuff to talk to him about. And I'm like, I promise I don't do this all the time. Like I don't drink fireball out of martini glasses. I don't usually ever do it at all. Um, So we had some really like, surface level conversation about whiskey, because I was like, looking at him like, this is like the hottest guy I've ever seen. And I don't know what to say. Like, I like to think that I would have game in that situation. But he was just so cute. And he's really quiet. And he's shy. So like, I was definitely like driving the conversation. And I walked away from it. Like, I couldn't tell if he was into me or not. But he didn't ask me for my number at the end. And I was kind of like sad about it. And the next day I got a, a text from a number and he was like, I'm just really shy. And so I asked the, the bartender for your number and yeah. So then after that, um, a few years had gone by, I ended up like getting engaged to some other guy in Nashville, which that's like a whole, we would need a whole separate <laughs> podcast for that one. I think that's around the time I met you. Actually, I was on the road. Yeah, with you guys. it was.
0: I, I, Cause I, I remember that. Yep.
2: Oh yeah, that, those were tumultuous times mm. um, But after The smoke cleared with all of that And everything, I texted Tim and I was home Visiting and I was like I was like, you better take me to dinner Tomorrow or I'm gonna delete your number And never talk to you again Because we had tried to get together like A few times over the years And I was just like, listen buddy, I'm done <laughs> And we hung out that night <laughs> And we've been together ever since
0: Nothing that uh, <laughs> quite gets the ball rolling Like an ultimatum
2: that's right That's what I like to say That's what I like to do Yeah But it worked So um, Yeah awesome. And he's super laid back and chill Which is really good for me But in those situations I'm kind of the The driver yeah. A little bit well, That's cool He's gonna hate this He's gonna be so mad that's at me That's
0: alright He's great I've heard nothing but great things About Hot Tim Oh he's and I call him He's Hot Tim absolutely Tim
2: wonderful He's absolutely wonderful That's awesome Hot Tim Yeah so how, how That's often, all you need to know
0: How often uh, Do you guys get to see each other Since uh so is he still in south he's, he must be still in south dakota right or yeah and
2: i've just been i've been going back and forth like crazy right. you know i still have a place in nashville um but it was kind of good timing honestly when we got together my second publishing deal was ending and i had just um i had just been feeling really burnt out on nashville at that point anyway and i had been there for like eleven or twelve years. I mean, I moved there in two thousand seven as a nineteen year old. And I was just I was just burnt out. I was really excited about him and this new relationship after having been through hell honestly with this, you know. Um, and I was just really, really excited and really happy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just start going back and forth. I had basically no commitments in Nashville whatsoever. Cause my pub deal ended. So I just, I've been going back and forth a lot. I've spent a lot of time up here, honestly. And yeah. So we've gotten to spend a good amount of time together. We know it works. And now I'm kind of, I'm kind of itching to get kind of back into the, into the Nashville yeah. thing a little bit more. Cause I've, I've missed it. Mm-hmm. I took a long, a long break and now I feel kind of ready to get back in the game which is yeah what i'm doing with all this new music and stuff but yeah yeah
0: the new song's great with, with brian oh, i thank love it you. I, re- I really thank do I, I listened to it a bunch of times the other day um oh, thank you so much when uh, when did you start is is this song one of the uh the zoom writing sessions with that you did with no
2: brian? actually so i was in nashville um the last time i was there actually was like well i was there in february and march And, um, I had, I just kind of went, um, balls to the wall. Sorry, mom. Um, but I, I did all of these rights and I haven't really been around a lot. So I was just ready to get a lot of stuff done. I applied myself and Brian, Brian and I, we've known each other for Brian Dolly, who I co-wrote the song with. He produced the track beautifully. Um, I met them, I met native run before they even moved to Nashville and they were making trips coming back and forth. So right. like 2012, I want to say, um, so I've known those guys forever and I became really good friends with Brian and Rachel What talented
0: people. That's like, Oh, I know. And, Brian, and th- is, he, I mean, <laughs> b- both of them are incredible, it's, but, uh, you know. I
2: know it's, it's insane. I love them so much. And they're actually the reason that I ever, like the reason I know you is through them right. because when, good old um, Stephen Kellogg was looking for a female opener back in like 2013 or 14 and Brian and Rachel sent Stephen my way. And that's how, that's how I know Stephen. Yep. That's how I know yep. you. Um, that's how I know Will Hogue, who we just toured with last fall. Like, so yeah, native run was kind of, it's like three degrees of native run, I guess. Yep. But anyway, Brian and I got together um, and we were just catching up on life this was, I think it was in, it was like mid-March after the crazy tornado happened in Nashville. I was there for that. Then the, the COVID stuff started getting real. But anyway, to, I'm, I'm turning this story into something so long. That's but anyway, okay. Brian, Brian and I sat down, we're catching up. Um, I mean, it's been like years since I've been in that scene with like this certain group of friends after I went through all this stuff, whatever. So I really haven't even had a good chance to catch up with him. And, um, his wife is at home with both of their kids. Their kids are so precious and adorable. (laughs) I I love their pictures. Uh, But the baby was like, I think he was like two weeks old. Like he was super, super new. And I was just like, when I get around babies that are so cute like that, I get baby fever and his daughter is like talking, saying big words, like asking if she can see my guitar. And I'm just like melting. I'm (laughs) like, Oh my God. And so we start talking about it. And I was like, God, I just, I wish that this was all I wanted. Like, I wish I didn't want the music thing, you know, like if I could just be happy being a wife and a mom and like having a garden, I would totally do that. But I just want music so badly. I want to be on the road and, you know, I'm not ready for this stuff yet. Um, And Brian's eyes just got really big after I said, I just said, like, I wish that that was all I wanted or something. And he was like, oh, my God, that's what we have to write. And he started playing this little lick. And wow. it just kind of like, it, it just fell right out. It just happened to us. And I was crying. I was super emotional the whole time. And he was emotional, too. I mean, he's watched. We've watched each other kind of. He was just right there with me in that situation. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's it's always um, it's always pretty remarkable to me the 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 skill of just always being open and ready and ready t- for that song to be written and and for those yeah. emotions to kind of come out. Like yeah, yeah. It's very um. It's it's almost it's kind of a foreign idea to me. I, I just just having that. Um, you know that endless that endless openness to be able to be like oh this could be a song this could be a song and and here's here's that i mean that's it's a really cool thing
2: it's it's um it doesn't feel endless for me like Mm -hmm. i mean it is when i write by myself and a lot of times the songs that i write alone are like the special ones because i'm i don't have to be with anyone else when i'm writing those i don't have to be vulnerable But you like you can do that with certain co-writers that, you know, and Brian's not just a co-writer, you know, like we've been really good friends for a long time and we've seen each other go through situations. And those are the types of writers that you need to write those songs with. Like I would have never been able to just let let all that fall out because we wouldn't have been if it was just a co-writer that I sort of like surface level knew we wouldn't have even been talking about that stuff, you know, but. We were just like it was like getting coffee with a friend, and then something like that just falls out. Like it it would have never happened
0: with that, yeah with, with just else. like
2: an average someone that I just co wrote with, and it was strictly business, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, like I've kind of in the last couple of years, I the older I get, I'm just kind of like tapping into that more, and it's scary because you have to get really really honest with yourself and your. You know, like the things that keep you up at night, and your your demons, and your really good things, and you know, like you have to get really, really, like hardcore honest right. to be able to do that. And it's it's like self therapy almost. It's scary. Have you felt
0: like that different approach and that different kind of um, you know uh, like amplified vulnerability has has helped help the songwriting process. It seems like that might be a stupid question, but.
2: No, just, uh... um, I absolutely think that it does. And that's where all of the like people, when I play shows, like people just gravitate towards those songs usually. And, you know, I love to write like fun songs and write for country radio cuts and all of those are different muscles. But everybody's favorite thing of mine is always like what's really, really, really real. Right. And sometimes I just, I just want to like rock and roll sometimes, but I never feel quite as genuine as when i'm just kind of spilling the tea as the, kids, as the say. kids
0: say these days yeah i mean yeah i i first noticed I, I was never really um i never really saw music that way when i you know before uh before i really started going out and traveling and noticing like oh wow that's an interesting way or hearing songs and being like wow that was an interesting way that they said that or or that's yeah. a that's a really different approach on that topic of a relationship or of traveling or of or whatever, whatever you're getting into. And like looking inside your uh, you know, whatever, narcissism or, or whatever it may might be.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah I never really looked at things that way. And the longer I do this, the more, like you're saying, I, I realize that like Oh, that's where like the good stuff is. That's where the real yeah. the real emotion of the songs come in and that's what brings these these great songs together.
2: Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And it's it's um like this is not something that I was able to do when I was like 19. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had like the basic like Willie Nelson says either you have it or you don't and I have a friend who says like Some people just have their finger in the river. They're just like natural. And I had this like, I had some natural ability to like, you know, put songs together, but I wasn't like, I hadn't, I hadn't found this, like I hadn't harnessed like any, I mean, I really hadn't gone through anything at that point either. So and I think that
0: that proves that, yeah, you said that you either have it or you don't, but I think that you can love to do something and then songwriting is is a muscle like the more oh, you yeah, do it yeah. like even though I wouldn't really consider myself a, a, a great songwriter by any means I am much better at it now than I was when I was 18 19 years old because I've done it more because yeah. I practiced it, yeah you know exactly you learn um
2: yeah so. it, it really is like I mean yeah anybody can be born with like a raw skill for something but it's never gonna go anywhere if you don't right. if you don't like master it and I read this book, it was right around the time that I signed my first publishing deal And um, somebody gave me this book to read and it's called The War of Art
0: Okay yeah, And yeah.
2: It, ta- it talks, have you read that? I haven't it's read it It's a really easy read, it's like it's a like hundred pages It's And it's just, it's really good and it kind of like messed me up Because I used to be one of those people that was just like, well I'm a natural And I just only write when I'm inspired And that's that like the, one about the young amateur talking
0: it's, it's a lot about, yes. yeah, okay
2: Yep. But it also talks about like what um, divides an amateur from a professional. Yeah, I have, and amateurs I have read this. only only write when they're inspired. I have read this. And it kinda hurt my feelings because I was like, Ooh, that's what I do. And a pro just writes every day, even if you're not feeling it. And that's where you learn how to harness the skill and that's where it comes in. So I think at this point I'm a little I'm like a mixture of both. Cause I don't I don't sit down and force myself to write every day, right. especially during the quarantine or whatever. Like you know and i should but that book kind of like will definitely rocked my world and anyone anybody in the creative field should read it because it's great and it'll really mess up your perspective in a good way
0: i read that book when i was actually when i was on the road with steven and uh andy mm-hmm. sorenson we were doing the postcard the uh postcard tour the three the it was like a trio um yeah were, did, were you on any of those dates i can't remember
2: yeah, I was, um, but I I feel like I was on the ones that you were not on because there were a few different legs of that. Right. That was in 2018, right? Kind of the spring. Yeah, I think
0: so. Right? I think so.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it was just me, Steven, and, and Shady the whole time, yeah. so I don't think...
0: That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. Uh, um,
0: yeah. yeah uh, Andy had that book and you know, if Andy's listening to this, I, and it's not that mm-hmm. book, but it sounds, it sounds like it was that one. Cause it was really short. I read it in the hotel room, like yeah. in, in an hour yeah. or a couple hours. Yeah. Um, so I read it and I was like, man, I am so distracted all the time. And it makes you, it Me makes too. you realize that like, anytime you have, you know, you have a guitar or whatever, you could be doing something creative or you could be, uh, growing learning something and you decide to uh, flip on the tv and and watch and and watch uh six episodes or whatever which we're all which we're all guilty of um yeah that's that's the difference that's what that's the the war we all fight is with our brains and wanting to be entertained and distracted and then wanting and then also uh whether we want to work at something and try and explore and and stretch our brains and stretch our muscles and stuff like that, which is, yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And to, to the point of the, um, you're, you either have it or you don't, I think it's more accurate to say, and, you know, they're just words that somebody said, which is, you know, which doesn't mean.
2: <laughs> Willie Nelson said it. I know, but, but yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> he has less brain cells than he did before. So, I love Willie Nelson. Oh, me too. But you're either, I think it's a more accurate way, a, a more accurate thing to say that you either grow up in it or you didn't because, yeah. you know, you, you're around, you're around a lot of, um, I'm sure Nashville talents that grew up there and had family in, in yes. the industry and they're probably mm-hmm. better or more equipped than some of the people that are moving from out of town. Would you agree?
2: Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure And when you say equipped Like, I think of all sorts of ways Not only, like, um, you know, maybe, like, from, like, a specific skill set But also, like, knowing the right people Like, knowing that, like, you're the the child of so-and-so or whatever I mean You definitely
0: have an opportunity that that other people don't have But you also have, you know I just, I kind of romanticize it and think, like you know, maybe whoever's son was sitting on the sitting inside, and his dad or mom was was teaching him like, "This is how you would say this thing." You know, you don't say this, yeah. don't say it this way. You want to get deeper right. in it, and they understand that from such a uh, a young a young age. Yeah. So that that could also propel forward, and you know, more work and all, all the stuff that comes with being successful. And,
2: yeah. And and I, it's kind of like it's like a built-in apprenticeship mm-hmm. almost like exactly I, I'm that's the thinking best way of to a, say a couple it. yeah and it's like a lifelong thing and I'm thinking of a couple people that I know that like <clears throat> they're not any less talented than anyone else like they're super super talented and then they also you know because it's in their genes right. obviously and then then they grow up with like having this like childhood apprenticeship and it's yeah sometimes I'm like I think like that would be that would have been so awesome yeah. but I mean I grew up like I started singing at a really really early age and I was exposed to a lot of great music and then I like I opened for I started doing shows with with major artists when I was like 10 years old. I opened for Loretta Lynn when I was 10. Whoa. Like I definitely have not been How's that happen? ever ever lacking in like the connections and the being exposed to it at a young age. Yeah. Um well so there's not a lot of little girl singers in South Dakota. And when I was little, um, I started I started playing at the state fair with this band. I don't know how the initial connection was made. And I just, I started performing everywhere, but my dad and I together, we would call places. Like we would literally call casinos and fairs ourselves, send a press kit, whatever, and like ask if we could get gigs. That's great. So like I started booking myself as like a child basically. And one of the first things I did was that, um, opening for Loretta Lynn at a casino. It was like a big, huge outdoor show. That's awesome. And I made friends with, um, well, obviously I met her, but I made friends with this. This is also like needs and completely in another podcast, but I made friends with a native American chief backstage who had known Loretta like for years and years and years and he was a Native American dancer, so his family would travel around and dance with big acts. They danced with the Neville Brothers. They danced with Willie Nelson. Uh, he knew all the Highwaymen, and he started. Um, so we struck up a friendship, you know, me, him, and my parents, because this dude was like, I think he was like seventy when I met him, um, and he was really tall. I, th- I want to say he was like six three, six four. Wore a big, huge headdress. <laughs> nice. He was, just quiet and just really nice, but he knew all these people. And so after that Loretta show, a few months later, he was like, if you guys could come down to Nebraska and pick me up, we could fly, we could go to Farm Aid together um, and, you know, just hang out for the day, be with Willie and Neil, Neil Young, whoever else is playing. So when I was like 13 or 14, we flew to Farm Aid. I think the first one that we went to was in Pennsylvania somewhere. And Dennis, his name was Chief Dennis Alley. He introduced me to so many people so early on. So, like, you know, we started going to all these Willie Nelson shows. Whoa. Willie has a very, very special place in my heart. Yeah. But Willie, you know, Willie and Dennis were adopted Native American brothers. Like, they had had a ceremony and, you know, done that whole thing. Like years back but Willie started to recognize me and would just start inviting me up on stage to sing with him oh shit at the end of show yeah like as like a 14 15 year old like I knew it was cool then <laughs> but like I didn't know exactly how cool it <laughs> yeah, was you definitely
0: know how cool it is now
2: yeah Damn, um, that's so cool but yeah so I was exposed to stuff early on and I I made friends with his son Lucas when I mean Lucas is like one or two years younger than me and when I met him he was like kind of like a little geeky kid and he would like follow me around like interesting you know hey let's hang out because he just kind of grew up backstage at those shows and he was just kind of tagging along so we would hang out sometimes like if we were ever there together at a show just randomly like so yeah i've been
0: would you say that that event and doing and that happening to you would like propelled your desire to want to do music even even
2: further i mean Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I was like, I don't even remember, I don't ever remember not knowing that I was going to move to Nashville and be a, a singer songwriter. Like, I don't ever remember a time where that wasn't the plan. Like, even as a kid, like, I never wanted to do anything else. But yeah, being around all of that, and like, meeting all these famous people as a kid, and like seeing that they're just their people and like hanging out with them backstage and then watching them go on stage. Like I've had all of these crazy experiences, like because of all of that and because of the chief, Um, there was this one really cool time where like I had a huge crush on Keith urban. Like, I think it was like my freshman year of high school. Yeah. Who didn't, who doesn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I was backstage at a farm aid and Keith just like came walking up to me and my dad And he was the nicest guy ever. And he was on the phone and he was like, he's like, Hey, can you talk to, can you just hold this and talk to this girl on the phone for a second? I have to go, um, like take a picture or something. So he just hands me his phone and I just like, start talking to this girl. And she's like, hi, I'm Nikki. And it ended up being Nikki Taylor. They were, I don't know if they were married, but I think they were dating for a really long time. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? Like I'm, I'm, 15 years old i'm on the phone with this famous model and keith urban just like walked off and gave me his phone like what do i do and he just came back and it's just like i had experiences like that where i just was i realized people are just i mean famous people you know they're just human just beings people. they have phones and then they give you their phone because they need you to hold it for a second like just stuff like that that i would have never gotten i would have never had experiences like that like just growing up here and right you know
0: yeah I mean of course yeah. of course I, I struggle with that now because I'm I'm like I've had some cool experiences and I think there's a lot to be said about you and you and your dad like calling places and making it happen for yourselves <laughs> and putting yourselves in those positions like a lot of yeah. people think that that's crazy like no that's not how it works it, it it's you know I need I need to well I still to do it me. I still you do have it to. yeah you have to or nothing's gonna you, happen no
2: one's yeah, no one's going to come to the corner of your room that you're sitting in and be like, will you please come on tour with us? Like, everything that's happened up to this point, I mean, 95% of it has been self, self-stirred. self yeah. And I've always kind of struggled with um, never knowing where that line is of, or trying to find that line of being persistent and not annoying the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have annoyed the shit out of people before, but you don't get anything like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, yeah. you know, like you've got to advocate for yourself and yeah, I still do it. Like everything I don't, I haven't had a manager in like eight or nine years, you know, mm-hmm. like I do everything and it's, it's a very, very, very small team. So oh, well, you say, I'm proud of that though. Yeah,
0: you should be. I think, I think it's great. I think, I think that, uh, that you. mentality needs to spread uh, of, of knowing that, you know, someone, no one's going to believe in you more than you do. So yeah, you need to be able to, take the reins and make things happen for yourself and if you're calling people That's and they right. don't get back to you and you think oh am i annoying this person okay i move on to the next person and i keep yeah I keep trying or like to what dig- am
2: i gonna lose what if what am i gonna lose if i annoy them a little bit by calling them again and then i get this great opening slot for someone yeah. or something like who cares if they're like a teensy bit annoyed like i don't yeah
0: <laughs> or they say no or they just don't respond or or yeah. they finally get back to you, and usually it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry and get back to you. I had a mountain of emails. Uh, you know, can you can you can't do that date, but can you do this next one for this other person?
2: Exactly. You know? And sometimes a lot of times I have people say like, Hey, thanks for following up. Sorry, I just forgot. Yeah. I mean, I know how I am. Like I look at my phone and then like it's like I text you back in my mind and then a month goes by and I'm like, Oh, I actually never sent that text. Like yeah. I'm a human being and I'm oh, yeah. can be pretty aloof. So people that's how people operate when they're busy. So yeah, I've had people just be like, Hey, thanks. Thanks for being totally. And
0: every, and everyone, everyone is different. I was talking to, um, I was talking to someone about this a little while ago, um, about how different people and different friends that you have are, respond and react in different ways. Like you'll have a friend and I I have a few different people that, you know, you'll text them and then they won't get back to you for like a couple weeks or whatever, but that's just their timeline. That's just how they do it with everyone. You can't take it personally and you have to realize, all right, where am I okay with meeting these people? where they are and if you are which yes you should be, I love that then then you'll, you won't be disappointed by that it's like just because yeah. you are you um, you know expect whatever doesn't mean that that person expects the same things so you have to be able exactly. to meet people halfway and where they're at um,
2: I love that I love that we're talking about this because I'm reading a book right now called Untamed I feel like every woman in America is reading it it's by Glennon Doyle but she has like she has like 200 unread texts and she's like, you know what? Text, text messages are not the boss of me. Yeah, and I'm that's like, true. I love that because anybody who acts entitled to a response, like that's their ego talking. Mm-hmm. And I like, I can be slow. I can be slow to get back to people. Sometimes I have anxiety. Sometimes I'm going through something where I just like, don't have it in me to text a long response that it requires or whatever. But I've had people like say to like my parents, even like, oh, she's hard to get a hold of it. I'm like, you know what? you're not entitled to an immediate response just because you sent me a text. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to call you back. I don't like, but it kind of makes me sound like a bitch, but uh, it's just like respecting someone else's space. And like with social media, I've had this conversation with another girlfriend, you know, we've both like done a lot of like inner work and gone to therapy and worked really hard on boundaries. That's a boundary. And Mm -hmm. like, it drives me nuts when like, if someone texts you and you don't text them back and then I post something thing on social media like still that's a different completely different space and you're not required to respond to someone just because you're posting on social media like it's a whole i could go down this whole rabbit hole but it's just it's just a boundary thing and respecting people's like brain space that they're currently in just like you said
0: And a lot of times with like emails in particular i'll leave it because it's something that i need to think about and i won't and and it's not really it's not really my move to say Oh, um, let me to email back right away and say, Hey, let me think about this and I'll get this, I'll get back to you. I will do that if someone has emailed me like three times about (laughs) the same thing and I still haven't responded, but I, um, you know, I have a kid. I, you have to be able to meet people where, where they're at and, and, um, and understand, and then do the thing that we're talking about. Like if you need something, you need to follow up and not be frustrated yeah. and not take things personally, which I have definitely been guilty of because I've, I've had to, uh, you know, I've wanted to get things done and maybe I'll text or email a couple times and be like, Hey, Hey, I really, yeah. need you know, but right. that's part of, that's part of the thing. And if, and if not, you can't let one thing derail everything, <laughs> You have to, you have to yeah, be able to move exactly. on and live your life. Uh,
2: I so. know. I always try to not take it personally when someone doesn't respond. And usually I don't think about it because I know how I am. So I'm like, well, odds are they're not mad at me. They're not ignoring me. They're just living their life. Right, exactly. You know?
0: that's, that's 99.9% of the time is that either they yeah. saw it and they're like, uh, all right, let me, right, I'm doing something. Let me get back to this. I can't really deal with this right now. And then they forget. Right. And then... And then it's your responsibility to maybe shoot them, shoot them a text a couple of days later, be like, Hey, uh, I really need to know about this thing. Um, exactly. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's yeah. a great topic because a lot of, a lot of young artists, that's, that's like a really big point of contention. That's that like makes or breaks their ability to go out and actually do things and get, get yeah. things done, you know?
2: Yeah. And I know like, It's like you said, I know all different types of people who respond differently and react differently to things. And I've had friends along the way who have said, like, that I am too, too driving and persistent and tenacious or whatever you want to call it. And I think about all of those people, people usually with like who take a little less initiative because they're scared, they don't want to ruffle any feathers. And I think of those artists and I'm like, you don't like, you're just not out there as much. You don't get as much done that way.
0: It's like, how far could you have gotten if you maybe had a little bit more of that in your, in your thing? And, and, uh,
2: and it's different philosophies and that's totally fine. But I also think about that going back to like the, the distractions thing and the watching TV and all that stuff, being an artist, like there's an endless, it's like a black hole of a list of things you should be doing at all times. And I kind of have like a guilt complex when I'm like, like anytime I'm just living my life outside of music, if I'm not like writing or rehearsing or doing social media or like anything related to my music career, Mm -hmm. I I have guilt. Like if I'm reading, reading a book or if I'm watching a show that's unrelated, because you know, a lot of, a lot of successful people and busy people don't watch any TV. I know people that swear by it. And then I, I have this guilt, but then like I'll be watching something and I'll see, like, I'll get a great idea for a song from like being inspired by someone else's art that I'm consuming. So I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's a part of my process, but I, I still have this guilt for just like sitting on the couch, drinking wine and not working on not actively like doing music. But
0: those, those things, you know, just because you're an artist or just because an artist needs to get things done and it's okay to have that guilt. That means that you care, but um, I think it's important to do those things and relax and become and, and do the things that make you feel okay. You know, um, there's so many for me, if uh, for me in particular i have to write things down i have to make lists and i have to cuz i th- i think everyone thinks of time and the weeks and the days very differently like i i look mm-hmm. at them at like, bo- like blocks as you would see in in like a a calendar or whatever and i and i, co- yeah. I compartmentalize things in those boxes and if if i don't write something down or if i don't attempt to do one thing to try to progress my career every day, then I'll feel guilt. But it doesn't matter if it's for 10 minutes or if it's for 10 hours a day. As long as, even if I just write down like what I need to do or what I think I need to do, then that's something, that's a step forward. Even baby steps can make you feel, you know, feel great about, about just living your life and trying to, trying to, um, you know excel at your dreams or whatever try to accomplish things but it's hard
2: yeah absolutely so good i'm the same way. i know it's hard. <laughs> i know and like relaxing and living you know i actually i always like stephen kellogg to me you know obviously he's been like a mentor to me honestly um i actually had a dream this morning that he was giving me a pep talk for this podcast <sighs> wow really he was like, go in there and this. like in my dreams, because he's given me so many real life pep talks. But, um, you know, and he's we've known each other for a long time now. And he's seen me go through all kinds of situations, music related and not music related. But he basically, when I started dating Tim, Stephen was like, maybe just go live your life for a while. Yeah. You know, like it's OK to not not be in Nashville and not be writing. And he's like, just go live life and experience life. And then write about that when you feel moved and that like, he's a really good advice giver. He um, is. But yeah. That that kind of rocked my world because up until, I mean, <clears throat> I moved to Nashville in 07 and up until that point, I, all I did was music. I don't really, I didn't really have any hobbies except like working out. I mean, I went to college, you know, but like it was so un, my life was so unbalanced and I had only ever dated other people in the nashville music business scene so yeah there was nothing nothing else existed and then um when i started dating tim and started being in south dakota more i was like holy shit there's so much more to life than the stupid music business the fickle you know like i can always be a writer and a creator and be this little songbird traveling around and be like feeling shiny and whimsical, like Stevie Nicks, (laughs) but I can still be living my life. Like I can still, I can actually like make kombucha and like grow some plants and like have a couple dogs. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of what, what Steven was meaning. Like, and he's a family guy, you know, he has a wife and four daughters and there's so much more. I think there's so much more to his life than music and i'm just kind of getting to a place where i'm realizing like there is so much more and like trying to find that balance i've been writing about it for a couple years now all these just trying to find a balance in the lifestyle but it's like it's just so much more um my life is so much more rich i think having it not be just nashville and music business and whatever you know yeah
0: i mean i i can completely understand relate to that like It's, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I, I have never moved to Nashville and never moved to New York. And because I always feared getting too caught up in one thing, like, yeah, I've always been a big sports fan. I've always been I mean, I love music. I have a really great passion for it and I've really, you know, and and just that balance and being able to to get in and out whenever whenever I need to, whenever it feels yeah. right and feels good is is important to me. I do wish yeah. that I had gone a little bit more down the deep end in 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 music and gotten into that that world more. Um but I just think, you know, I don't know if it's me just trying to, you know, uh, uh, explain it to myself, just just how, how I need to. But it's just, uh, I. F-
2: I totally understand what you're saying, though. It's kind of a grass is greener situation. Yeah, I mean, it's like you live your I feel life. that way still. It's like
0: you have you have to do the things that make you happy. You have to live your life. And if you're one place and you want to get somewhere else, you have to be able to find the joy in where you are. And, uh, also, you know, be able to look at things in another way. It's like, we create all this stuff around us. So like we make our own good time. I truly believe that. So
2: yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I feel like for people like me and you, it's so easy to get caught up in that one thing. And for me, that's always been music and like the business, the part, the parts of it that like, I don't like, those are the parts that like crush my soul. Sometimes yeah. it like, you know, the relationships and the all of the stuff, the business relationships and every move you make in Nashville, like every move I've made, like sometimes I sit awake and think about those things. Like, what if I would have done this differently? What if I would have done this? But it's so important for me to be able to remove myself because I just have that type of personality where I will get. I will just get absolutely crushed and some people can on
0: things that have happened.
2: Yeah. And I, I overthink and I'm very sensitive and some people like the people who have really been that I know that have been successful are like way better politicians than I Mm. am, you know, like I'm just not good at that side of it. And I just, I've always taken, taken everything to heart and that's something I'm trying to learn. But yeah, like the whole, not having a balance, not being able to get away from it is dangerous for me. And then like right now I'm going through a time where I'm like, all I want to do is get back there. And I want to just again, go balls to the wall for like another year or two and just write my tail off every day for two years and see what happens. And then, but then when I, when I'm in that phase, I'm burned out all the time. So it's like, you can't, I can't have everything. I'm just trying to like I'm just trying to find that balance. Maybe you can take, maybe you you
0: can take that, that, uh, you know, balance approach when you, you know, are in Nashville all the time working on songs and take it, try to balance out each day, you know, and make, make sure that, um, you know, if you feel like you're, if, if you're getting overwhelmed by something, just remember Mm -hmm. tomorrow's another day, something didn't work out today and we're going to try again tomorrow. And that's all you can do. And you just try to string together days and wins and, it's just, uh, um, right. it's hard. It's, it's a hard because I mean, my, me, <laughs> myself, I'm like, I, I hate the idea of rejection. I hate, I hate it. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, don't we all? I mean, but the thing is, for me, it kind of, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts a lot because I, I won't do something because of the fear of how it's going to be perceived by anyone. Like, I have a hard time writing songs and, putting them out there because I know that I, I know so many great songwriters and I don't want to be embarrassed.
2: <laughs> so, well, that means that you're a true creator because the, the people who like, you're really self-aware. I guess like, the best ones are like, I, I don't think this is going to be good enough. Like, have you, have you seen that list of like the creative process? It's like, this is great. This is okay. Oh, yeah. This is shit. Oh my God. And then you're like, I don't want to put this out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like, of like a mental meltdown before i released this song because i was like well we think it's a really good song to us but like compared to everyone else that we know like is this gonna hold up and of course it does but like you go through this thing right before where you're like oh my god am i really gonna do this it's like the war of art it goes back to like the distraction and resistance of just letting it letting it be released like the heart that's the hardest part is just pushing that button yeah
0: you I'm, know, try, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest. Um, cause I've been, I've been writing a bunch lately and I'm trying, I'm going to release something and I'm just, um, I'm just trying my hardest to get to the place where I feel like just comfortable with myself and not worrying and not even yeah. listening to what people think about it because it's gonna, it's gonna be what it, what it is, <laughs> you know? So whatever, whatever happens, happens. And I just, uh, I think it's worse to, to fear what other people think rather than to have them think what they're gonna think and i don't know
2: people are always gonna have opinions anyway i'm trying to get better at that too because i was also like you know putting songs out now it's like it's hard to listen to music just as a listener when you're in the industry and i was like you know what i'm probably gonna get opinions from like five different producers or five different songwriters who were like, I would have said this here. I would have done this here. And I just, I'm not sending my new music to anyone. I'm following my gut. Um, Brian is a great producer. We're just kind of going with our guts and we're going to put stuff out because ultimately, like, like I said, like everyone is going to have something to say anyway. Hopefully most people will like it, but I'm 32 years old and I'm just, I like to do what I want and I've always followed my gut and I'm, you know, that's like, Gonna take me to where I need to be. The thing is, I think that
0: you guys, you know, if you're working with Brian, if you know you as a songwriter and as an artist, I think you being able to to trust yourself to be like, all right, I made this, and not even just trust yourself, but trust the experience that you've had, and yes, trust the fact that like, all right, this is you know this work now is a culmination of of years of experience, and I should not be worried about what other people think of of what I'm doing, because I, I got something, you know, trust that you have something, right which is cool. Right.
2: And I'm trying to walk, I'm always trying to walk that line too, of, um, when I was younger and maybe even still a little bit now, people would realize that I wasn't the greatest at taking constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And I still struggle with it because sometimes I don't trust those criticisms from other people as much as I trust my own gut. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I get misunderstood a lot of the times, Um, like especially like in a publishing deal scenario where a lot of times your publisher is trying to steer you more towards like this might have a more likelihood of getting recorded by someone else if you do this, this, and this. But like when I'm writing for myself, usually I'm like, I'm not usually opening the floor for criticism because it, it doesn't matter. Like every, you know, it's just what we were saying. Like everyone's going to have an opinion. I'm just kind of at a point where unless you're my publisher and I'm trying to get a song on the radio, I'm just going to do my thing. And it's a Haley Steele song. So right. This is exactly how it's going to be. Will
0: you critique? (laughs) Yeah. Will you critique your own um, your own final product?
2: Yes, I've actually gotten, and that's another reason I'm not just like I'm not just writing a song and then not editing and just letting it be garbage. You know, like sometimes now I am a much better editor than I was even like two or three years ago because I've been writing a lot by myself, and I will live with a song for like. Weeks and then change something, you know. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm way more into the editing process now, which I think is comes with a lot of experience in writing with a lot of other good editors
1: because
2: mm-hmm. I do know a lot of those in Nashville as well who have checked me and edited me. So I'm not saying that I'm completely close to to constructive criticism. I just have to trust. It has to be someone you trust. That makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of times I'm. I'm coming at it from a place of like well if you're not a songwriter and you've never played a show for an audience to see how someone responds to a song i'm gonna have a harder time trusting you um but if you are like i take advice from other great songwriters that i respect you know like i'll send songs um i send songs to my friend jessica all the time i send songs to steven sometimes like and to get like some like his stamp of approval to me like I sent him a song a couple months ago and he said he was like, That's a great lyric. I'm like, oh my God, I don't I don't need anyone else's advice. Yeah. I don't care what anyone else says. To have a stamp of approval like that from somebody creative that you respect is like that's the best yeah. criticism. And
0: everyone hears everyone yeah. hears um music differently. So yeah. whoever you send the the music to is gonna hear the song Differently than you are, yeah. So, yeah, I like. I also like to send music um, to friends of mine. My, my buddy Nick, who is a you know big audiophile, just loves music and like likes mm-hmm. really popular music. He's he's pointed me in the direction of stuff that hasn't like kind of gotten popular yet, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll be like, oh, this is going to be the next thing, and it is. So, I send stuff to him to see. All right, what do you think of this? Uh, from a listener perspective, because I think artists kind of right. you know sometimes if if you send it to uh, an, another artist or in in my experience sometimes they'll be like yeah but what do you, they, they try to give you other suggestions suggestions that you're like <laughs> all right well I don't know that's not really what you know on on like a technical standpoint and like a creative standpoint and you're like yeah, yeah. you're just not really in the headspace that I was in or whatever so exactly so I'd rather give it to somebody like Nick. The, and have them be like, yeah, I don't know about that. Or, or be like, oh, this is cool. And then be like, all right, I'll send that out. I don't care. Like whatever happens, right. you know, this is from a right. listener, but
2: yeah. Oh, I like, sometimes I send songs to like my parents Yeah, that's great. and that's hard too. Cause they're a little bit biased, right. but they also are like consumers and they're not hearing all these indie bands coming out of East Nashville. They're listening to what's on the radio. So in their minds, they're just listening to a song, like how it would hold up, from like a just like an like a bystander like a listener driving a car and hearing it on the radio would react and they
0: can also hear so those are good
2: people to have too
0: they can also hear the younger version of you in their heads while they're listening to the current version of you so it's like yeah they see they automatically see a progression and um which is which is cool that's i mean that's great yeah it is cool it is cool. how do you feel about um some of the uh people going out and playing shows right now
2: i mean okay here's the thing like everyone everyone's running out of money everyone needs to work like mama needs to work like it's kind of scary but at the same time like um there was a major a bigger country artist who played a show in tennessee like a couple weeks ago I said his name on the podcast. No social so. distancing. Chase Rice. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So no social distancing was taking place. And um, actually a lot of other country stars spoke up about it, which I was I was like proud of the, that community because a lot of times nobody wants to ruffle feathers against, again. Against but, it
0: or in defense of it?
2: Um, against it, actually, yeah. because, you know, it's like people's safety and you can't like, I think there were like thousands, there were like a couple thousand people yeah. there. And it's like, Oh my God, no, this is going to undo, this could undo, um, all of the progress that like, who, I mean, who knows where all of those people were going back to after that show? Yep. Um, you know, and it's like nothing personal against that person, but I, it's like, this is just not the time. Like everyone is struggling. This is just not the time to like have a show.
0: Like people, cause I mean, the last thing that comes back is going to be, Concerts and packed venues It's going to be the last thing It's so depressing But the thing is It's like we're not getting Any kind of Financial help From the government <laughs> So it's like No We're, we're kind of uh, I I kind of I, I, uh, I hated on them pretty hard In the episode But Now that Other people are starting to do it And We're getting A very bad example From leadership um, Yeah Yeah Yeah. And really no help. It's almost like, all right, if you guys are throwing in the towel on trying to control this thing and you're not going to help us out, like we need to do something as far as making money. Cause the money's running out. It's run out. Yeah. And so,
2: and it's like, how many live streams can we do? Like everyone is tired, sick and tired of live streams. And like the, I haven't done the thing like I mean, a lot of people are doing the like, they'll put up a tip jar and then do a live stream. Yeah. I just haven't, like, I've done it. I haven't wanted to, like, exhaust that resource yet because I think everyone, everyone's doing it so much. And I totally understand, like, I should, I should have been doing it, like, you know, but I don't, I just, I don't even know what the point of this is other than like, I'm kind of in like a, I've been calling it regression depression Mm. because our, the phases are regressing now. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's going to be like next year before I can like, before anyone is going to be able to go play. Yeah. And like, that's like my, that's like what keeps me excited about life is like seeing people and playing shows and traveling and being on the road. And we can't do any of that. So, and I
0: think, I yeah, think,
2: it's kind of upsetting. Yeah.
0: And I think musicians, a lot of times we take in situations like this, uh, it becomes a very, everyone's kind of quiet, and it becomes like, all right, let's just see what happens and we'll go. We don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I think it's time for, for some artists to start speaking up being like, Hey, what is the deal here? Like, yeah. we're not getting, what are we doing? We're not getting any help. Cause I mean, you see, you know, billion billionaires getting bailed out and then there's a whole, yeah. there's a whole <laughs> generation and a whole uh, group of songwriters and artists and, Sound people, every industry of entertainment is getting completely fucked over, and now yeah. people won't even don't even want to wear masks for some reason, and <laughs> and uh, and now it's going to go back to lockdown, so it's going to be even longer that we yeah that we can't work. So I just I don't I don't get it, and I think that some artists need to uh, to speak up. The artists that have a voice that can get. That can get their their voices heard and government and and places that we really need it right now.
2: Yeah, I mean we've got to do something. Like all like, so many of my friends over the past few months in Nashville have lost their jobs. Yeah, and it's not even like a shock anymore when I hear of another person like being let go or you know like I just talked to one of my best friends last night um, who's been on salary with like a major label artist mm-hmm. and that artist ran out of money so now. It's like what do we do now? Now she has to like work a full-time job somewhere where it's not even really safe to be working anywhere in public anyway. Like yep. it is it is really depressing and I'm I'm the type of person that like I'm I'm a goal-oriented person. I always say there has to be a carrot dangling and when I don't have those carrots, like when I don't have the next date on my calendar or something, I'm completely like sad and unmotivated. Yeah. So like all I'm doing, and thankfully, like i I have this recording equipment now and I know how to record myself. So I'm able to make music with people remotely and I can keep like putting music out right um, but that's like that's kind of the only thing that I can do right now. Yeah. And then I'm just like distracting myself with like teaching my dogs new tricks and <laughs> I literally I started making I started growing and making kombucha like back in March. How you do I'm that? doing that is oh it's like it's crazy so do you like kombucha
0: always always see i don't i've never really had it but the way it's been described to me like i've read the labels (laughs) and i've you
2: don't want it and i
0: don't want it if it just seems like so gross (laughs)
2: but okay it is well it's a little bit gross but i feel like there's just like People are either like hardcore, they love it or they hate it. Right. But basically it's really, really good for you. It's really good for like the bacteria in your gut and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a hobby now. I I, like can talk about something other than music. So, (laughs) um, Tim actually, he's a really good gift giver. And I mentioned something one time, like a couple years ago about wanting to make kombucha. Mm -hmm. So he got me this like, um, container for my birthday. I had a real birthday this year. I'm a leap year baby. Um really so, yes, oh yeah what are you
0: are you Did you just turn five um, or something?
2: No, I just turned eight eight <laughs> I know I'm old, <laughs> um, but he got me this kombucha thing for my birthday, and I started making it while I was in Nashville, and so you can either this is the gross part, so you have to you have to acquire the scoby which is like the it looks like a lily pad basically but it's like the live cultures that make kombucha good for you okay um and they feed on caffeine and sugar and then they just grow um it's that's like the gross part but you either have to acquire one it is so you have to acquire one from like an underground kombucha brewer in wherever okay or you can grow one yourself so guess what i wanted to do grow i wanted to grow one myself from scratch i was like i don't need anyone else's help that's right so you brew it and you wait it takes like it usually takes about i want to say my first one took about two weeks to form and then you can do a batch your first batch of kombucha and so i've and you can use the same scoby like you can keep it healthy for like a year or two really and it's nasty it just like gets thicker it's like a big lily pad but i up until like two weeks ago was using the same one so i used it for like almost four months mm. and you can flavor it and it's just kind of like it's kind of like watching paint dry you know like it takes like at least uh you can do like six days you can do 10 days it just depends on how acidic it is this is like really nerdy stuff That's but great. now i'm like I'm a kombucha farmer. Um, Tim is calling me a botanist because I like I got all these plants this summer and I haven't killed any of them yet. That's great. This is like the first time in my life I've been home long enough to have plants. I just planted some herbs yesterday. Like I'm like doing like I should be like on a farm somewhere. That's cool. You should
0: lean. You should lean into that. Be like I'm leaning in hard. Isaacoff kind of farmer. I am.
2: I feel like. I feel like when John Mayer, like I'm obviously not John Mayer, but yeah, he moved to Montana and like, just became like a little rancher person. I don't know, but yeah, just living life is like really actually helping my creativity. And then, yeah, I'm, I have my, my recording set up here. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm doing okay. You're good to go. What,
0: uh, what kind of kombucha would you recommend me who, who, it's okay. is like pretty scared of it.
2: Yeah, I think I think you need something flavored. Yep. The plain stuff is like just I think like dank is a good word for it because it's just like <laughs> eh. Dick. Um, I like something that's like I've been making raspberry because that raspberry kind of cuts the acidity a little bit. It, it like makes it a little bit sweeter. I like raspberry so, a lot.
0: I'm, I'm a OK. Big raspberry well, fan. I
2: would. I would, and the brand that I really like is that is very popular now. It's called, what's it called? Crap.
0: I didn't realize there was more brands, but I guess that makes sense um, because people can make it.
2: Is it synergy? I think it's called synergy. Yeah,
0: I've I definitely yeah. recognized that it has like a little plus um, on it.
2: Yep. And yeah. there's a flavor called there's like ginger aid. I like ginger too. Cause ginger also kind of cuts out that like nasty taste, but it's really good for you. And it's helped me with like, I used to struggle a lot especially on the road with like just like acid reflux and like vocal problems yeah. and stuff it's really really helpful for that and it keeps you it's just really good for your health I'm gonna like, try
0: that out I'm overall gonna, I've never yeah, you should I have you know i I don't know if you know I have Crohn's disease so it, I, I, oh. it might it might, uh, oh. it might help that kind of thing so I'm always looking for I mean some I'm natural not a doctor
2: way. I'm not a doctor but I feel like it it would probably cure me help be helpful yeah maybe it'd cure you and then then you could start growing your own like me I could send I could mail you a piece of my scoby that sounds so gross oh my god
0: (laughs) I will tell you that if there's anything that I am less likely of doing it is making (laughs) my own (laughs) <laughs> kombucha.
2: listen bud that's what i thought too and then hot tim got me a birthday present I'll and now there. here we are so i'll get yeah. there i'll get there yeah but just start with like a little bit of that and then yeah just see where it takes you all right
0: well Haley, this was great this was this
2: was so fun this was awesome
0: is there anything yeah, it's um, so good
2: it's so good to talk to you yeah
0: it's good to talk to you too are you uh do you have plans of releasing uh any more singles or anything as of right now
2: Yes. So okay. Brian and I are in the middle of getting another one finished right now. And we're just kind of taking it one song at a time, like a no pressure thing. Like he's so great at recording and playing instruments. And he's unreal. we've been on the same page, like sonically with how we want everything to sound. And so we're just kind of, we're just kind of taking it one song at a time. We might be writing a few more. It's just kind of, I'm just kind of living in hippieville right now. So we're just kind of, being free about it but yeah we've got one we've got one coming down the pipe line is that is that the saying yep something like that um yeah so we've got another one coming, in and then we'll just kind of see see where it goes after that but yeah awesome. i'm really really excited about what we've been able to do so far
0: well make sure you uh stay safe out there and say hello to hot tim for me you too i will and um yeah <laughs> i think i think we got an episode here this is pretty good
2: Awesome! Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that is my conversation with Haley Steele. Hope you enjoyed it. Check out After the Gig on Patreon.com if you want to support the podcast. So it's Patreon.com/slash/After the Gig. Come check me out on Facebook Live tomorrow night on my personal page for Over the Hump live stream songs and hangout um what else you can email into the podcast after the gig pod at gmail.com and that's it guys let's keep it let's keep it simple this week that's the motto of the week let's keep it simple keep it simple have a great week and I will see you next week
1: bye if you were all I wanted, I'd marry you today Cry down the aisle with nothing standing in my way. I could be a wife and mother, grow some daisies in the yard, a simple life that wouldn't be so hard. I'd be on top of the world. Just grab a bag and go I could be just like my heroes Sell out every town Like a shooting star that never hits the ground